listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Four years ago, Amber Jeffrey was 19. And four years ago, everything changed. Her mom died suddenly, leaving her to figure out what it means to be 19 and grieving. Even without grief, there could be enough going on in your early 20s to spark an identity crisis. For Amber, her mother's death put so many changes into motion, including reworking her friendships and the relationship with her older brother. As grief unfolded, Amber also found herself needing more support for her mental health. One way she sought that support was through podcasts. And after listening to a number of grief-related ones, she realized none of them were specific for people her age. So she decided to start her own. This decision grew into her show, The Grief Gang, which, similar to Grief Out Loud, seeks to normalize the conversation about loss. Amber and I talk about her show— but also about so much connected to her grief, like her relationship to photos of her mom, how she approaches the holidays, what happens when a grief-laden song comes on the radio while you're getting a manicure, and the refuge that she's found in the Grief Gang's online grief community. It's not hard to see why the Grief Gang is so popular. Amber is honest, warm, relatable, and easy to talk with. She's also hilarious and a little salty, So listeners, just know that this episode contains some strong language. Amber, thank you so much for making time to be on Grief Out Loud with me today, especially since we had to figure out an eight-hour time difference to make it happen. (laughs) No, thank you. It is a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And you're up at 10.30. I don't really get up at 10.30 for a lot of things, so... I'm so looking forward to this. Well, we're perfectly partnered then in terms of I prefer the early morning and you can have the evening. If it was swapped, we might have a challenge. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I know we're going to talk about your podcast, The Grief Gang, and about a lot of different things. But I always like to just start with like getting to know the person, the reason why you're doing the work that you do and, and sharing the stories that you share. So tell us a little bit about your your mom, Sue, and and like what you've been thinking about lately connected to her. Of course, yes. Yeah. So my mum, Sue, bless her soul, she passed away, yeah, four years ago. And um, my mum was just an absolute powerhouse of a woman. She was vibrant, loud, the life and soul of the party um gave so so much love and was really really selfless and would give herself to anybody who she cared for she'd give the shirt of her back um to to anyone who she loved um and sort of things that are reminding me of her lately I feel like I'm constantly reminded of her all the time um in the really small things but obviously it's coming up to to Christmas and the the big signposts of you know seeing like even on television of a whole family or a mum and, and their child like things like that are like 
oh, tugging on the heart. Um, but I feel like I'm reminded of her throughout all of all of the year. And I love that I am. And speaking of, it is December, so we're like just heading into for folks who celebrate Christmas and folks who celebrate Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and New Year's and you know, it's just a time. It's the season. And yeah. just, you know, I know you said it's been four years, which is not very long. Like, mm. what's your plan this year to like get through the month? Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. Even though it has been four years and four years isn't isn't a long time. Sometimes it does feel like a long time. It, it does feel like a mere memory that time of my life. But in the grand scheme, it's really not. Um, and although, yeah, I've done four of what five Christmases it still does every year always has a different um like air about it I don't know how I'm going to feel with it but this year I do feel a little bit more settled I think I feel a little bit more settled in my grief and what does work and what doesn't work for me but then that's not to say that next year I could completely go the other way and be like none of that stuff I did last year is working for me I need to go back to the drawing board but sort of what works for me or I finding it this year um as well with grief gang sort of like plummeting myself into the community and speaking to to my community and other people and their accounts and almost like having like our own really like weird griefy Christmas and just <laughs> and just getting together and being like do you know what this is really really rubbish isn't it it's really rubbish have like the holiday season without our loved ones let's all virtually hang out together let's all connect and then sort of personally like what I, what I do sort of in the lead up I, I wouldn't say I have any sort of like traditions that I do like rituals that I do but I do tend to find that I do go through like the photo albums a bit more at this time of year and and reminisce through those I even did it today like I went under my bed for something and for a while I'm here I'll get the photo book out and I just do I just kind of just sit and skim through those but um I can understand that that isn't something that everybody can do. It's very painful to look through the photo albums sometimes. But for me, it does bring me quite a lot of um, peace and comfort. Can you describe a photo that you came across today that sort of stuck out to you? Oh, well, I had, I had, there was like a big, I, there was a bunch that I needed to put away. And the, there was a mixture. There was ones of um, my mum when she was a baby, like a baby, baby um in black and white and like it's like a really tatty photo ones of her and she's like a toddler on her little tricycle three of them like throughout her early years um which is really sweet and I can see like my niece and my nephew in these photos as well which is is really lovely to see um another one I saw one of the very rare photos of like myself my brother and mum like all together and it's a cheeky photo of us all flipping the bird in it. <laughs> and um, just that was a really fond memory. You know, Amber, this is just an off-the-cuff question. When I think about people talking about photos, we sometimes think like there's looking at photos and it feels good or there's looking at photos and it's painful. But there's different kinds of photos. And I'm wondering, do you remember back at the beginning, like right after your mom died, were there certain photos that you were like, these feel comforting and certain photos that you're like not yet I cannot look at these Mm, definitely yeah there was 
and oh yeah like there were so many photos that obviously at the time of mum's passing that were like you know resurfacing and um so like we had we had to look at photos for things like the funeral and the um the off service so we, we were kind of forced to look at these photos the ones that were that were comfortable were ones from like childhood so like when I was a baby and a toddler those ones of just like pure happier times and then it was the ones that were really recent that were the hardest so me and mum had a photo about so she died in June and we went to a baby she died end of June and we went to a baby shower in the beginning of June so literally a mere three weeks apart I remember looking at it and just thinking how on earth has when that photo was taken would I know that in a few weeks time my mum would be gone and like this would be one of my most prized possessions and even now sometimes when I look at it that just that just sort of where my mind takes me it's a lovely photo but I just think oh my gosh the it I think it's the the closeness in the dates that always sort of gets me photos aren't too too hard for me mine's a bit of music music is some for me that I just I cannot play certain songs that either remind you of your mom or that you used to listen to with her yeah there's one particular song and even now I I heard the jink like the beginning to it the other day and I thought oh god no mm. can't do it it's um this song Maxwell this woman's work it starts off like a really beautiful like almost like it sounds like a harp in the beginning that was one of her funeral songs but she loved it anyway prior or before it but every time I hear that I'm like no can't deal with that one um but then like another one of her funeral songs was Whitney Houston my love is your love which she always said was her song to me and my brother but that song I can easily sing to like I love listening to that song so it's strange that some are completely unbearable and some that still carry so much memory are actually doable yeah and so interesting and and, and a little unpredictable too right I'm sure you weren't able to be like you know this is a song we'll use for the service but I know I'm not going to be able to listen to it but this one I'm sure is going to be fine yeah it is very strange yeah to sort of um and I never really know like when it like sometimes it's caught me off guard like I'll be out in public or I never forget once one of her funeral songs, I was out in the nail shop getting my nails done and it came on and it just completely caught me off guard. And I was like, oh, I kind of felt almost like a sort of a panic attack coming over me because I wasn't prepared for it. Not the easiest place to then just get up and leave either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Half way for a mannequin. Not ideal. <laughs> So Amber, you've mentioned your your brother a few times and just wondering, we all grieve differently and we all have a unique relationship with the person who died. And yet we also grieve as part of a system, a family system and wondering how your mom's death affected the relationships that you have with other people in your family. Yes. Yeah. So the relationship um, with my brother. So we have a seven year age gap between us. So I was 19 at the time and then he was yeah, 26 turning 27 at the end of the year. The loss of mum, obviously this is nothing that either of us had ever been through, like a big loss like this in our family. My brother was then met with, you know, 
key responsibilities of like maintaining the house and well becoming a homeowner now and then now sort of being our dad our dad is in the picture by the time they were split and so my brother felt this really big responsibility for me I look back now in hindsight and I see that our relationship it changed from being siblings to almost like a parental role and that became quite damaging came damaging for me and for him he of course he as as a sibling he does have a somewhat responsibility we have a responsibility for each other to look out for each other obviously but the lines began to get blurred and I started looking at him as almost a parental role and almost treating him like a parent almost treating him as if you know I can give him the backlash I can give him the back chat and expect almost like the forgiveness of like a parent with like you know with parents you 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 do hell you do hell some of the most like awful you you're just bad and naughty (laughs) but you know that your parent is never gonna turn their back on you and my brother never did turn his back on me but he would be he would tell me that's not okay you can't treat me like that I am your brother and we are both grieving for our our mum we butted heads for like a good three years, a good, good three years. We just grieved very differently. I, obviously where I was 19 and I didn't really have that many like responsibilities, I was able to just sit with my feelings. I didn't really have to go to work. I didn't really have to think about paying the mortgage or anything like that. I could just grieve, so to say. And whereas my brother, he did just have to, he had to get up and go. He went, mum died on the Saturday and he had to go back to work on the Monday. So, it, and whereas I took like two weeks off. So the, the, the disparities there. And then it just, everything just sort of came to a halt. And we both acknowledged that, yeah, we do grieve for mum differently. But just sort of as long as we both are grieving and whether that, you know, it's healthy for him and it's healthy for me, whatever our outlet or our resources are, if it's doing, if it's helping us, then we'll support each other throughout it. Like he's been so supportive of Grief Gang. And when I introduced it to him and told him of the idea of it, he was really supportive. He was like, as as long as it helps you and you feel like it's going to help you, then I'm all for it. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how you almost had the the scaffolding to stay in that child role and he had the scaffolding to maybe step more into that adult parenting role and yet emotionally that that wasn't going to work for you all you had to figure out a, a way to maintain that sibling connection while also grieving absolutely yeah and we 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 ha- we had to take it back to basics of no like we are we're siblings we're siblings we're not you're not like a, a hierarchy and I'm not low I shouldn't be I shouldn't be looking as much as we do depend on each other and especially in our grief and we lean on each other the leaning was too more on my side I was leaning on him too much with and then forgetting that actually no he's lost his mum too he needs actually maybe lean on me a little bit because that's what I'm saying before we need to be equals in this um Obviously, in in the time of mum's death, you know, there was there was no time to think of like, you know, logical things like this and have conversations like that. It was it was like mum's died. We need to keep the roof over our head. We need to feed ourselves. We need to plan a funeral. There's no there was no time for a conversation like that. And it was only when things sort of you know fell apart. Then when we had to come back together that we had these revelations. 
right? Like you're just getting through it. There's no time to be reflecting on it till later. Oh, and- no, yeah. It was survival mode. It was survival mode completely. And it was like, just get shit done. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then thinking too about, you know, you come to this place of realizing like I'm, I'm doing all my leaning on my brother and it's too much for one person. I need to find some other places to lean. Here you are, you're 19, just heading into your 20s, which, you know, I think about that as being a time where friends are really important and Mm. and identity and discovery and, you know, just all those things that come with being in your 20s that Mm. I can barely remember now. Um, (laughs) So just wondering, like, how did your, how did your friendships change? And like, who else did you find to lean on? Yeah, so, yeah, and it's so interesting when you say like identity, like I was definitely having a, like an identity crisis. Um, I felt like when my mum passed away, like the old Amber died with her too. And I was, I, I was, I was coming to terms of that. I was coming to terms of all these, these revelations about myself that I started finding that I didn't enjoy the things that I used to. And it wasn't, and I, I didn't find, yeah, joy in the things that I would do with my friends or the activities that we would do. I'd be like, this is rubbish. Like, like my mum's died and life is too short. Like I can, I, I now see the fragility of life and how quickly it can get swept out from under your feet. I don't want to waste my time doing like petty shit. <laughs> I was like, I want to, I want to do meaningful stuff, meaningful work, meaningful, meaningful stuff, um, have meaningful conversations like my friend at the time, like they were they were fantastic in the beginning, like with the support, like they were they were very close to my mum and um had a really good relationship with her and they were supported me so so much in the beginning. I can never, never discredit them for that. But obviously where we were so young and um I've since then had conversations with them now, you know, years down the line and we've kind of not made amends, but we've um we've we've spoken and we've come as adults now to speak about what really went down. And um we kind of, I can look back now and I can see that, you know, we were just a bunch of teenage girls. None of us had ever been, you know, touched by grief or a loss as big as, as big as my, my mum was. Um, we were just like headless chickens. We didn't know what we were doing. These girls, they didn't know, they didn't know like, you know, the language and how to, to talk to a grieving friend and, you know, holding a space for them. And I didn't know how to articulate how I was feeling. Mine just came out in pure rage. I, I'd have all these feelings inside that I wanted to talk to, you know, my best friends about, but it just would come out in rage. And then they're being met with rage. So they're a bit like, what on earth is Amber's problem? When really I was just grieving, I just wanted to say, girls, like, I just want to hug. I just want to hug. And I just want to cry with you. And that's, that's all I really need. But because I wasn't equipped with the language and how to express myself other than being aggression, it just, it, split us all so it split us badly and um it was so hard I I definitely held on to quite a few friendships just purely out of the fear of being alone and then when I realized I actually am still I am still alone I feel lonely so why not cut ties and it was hard it was so hard and I went for like it was like a good year of sort of just being really with my partner and spending time with him and his friends and I'm like a loner but I didn't have my people and then as the years sort of gone by just made new friendships and and new relationships and 
I remember just with myself just being like in all sort of new relationships the one thing that only I can control is how I express myself I can't I can't control how anybody will you know take to my grief or how I express my grief so what I'm not going to do is express it in out in anger and because unless like there's a good damn reason to be but <laughs> but if I'm if there's actually a deeper feeling to it of you know I just want to hug I just want to talk with my friends I just want to ever just say it Amber just do it don't don't let it come out in rage I feel like over the years I've become more educated on how to do so and I feel like it's done me and my friendships and relationships in my life just the the world of wonders yeah, it's almost you're describing like a crash course in getting to know yourself at yeah. a time where maybe you would have taken 10 years, you know, to like learn how to express yourself and figure out what you're feeling and ask for what you need. And you're like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out a lot faster than maybe even some of my peers are. And, you know, you great you made a great point of how, you know, you had these friends and they were trying to be connected, and yet you still felt alone. Yeah. In your grief and alone in your experience. And then at some point, you go really public with your grief. You start a podcast and you start talking to the entire world <laughs> about yeah. your experience. And <laughs> like, what what inspired you to do that? That was, I know it's 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 mental, isn't it? Going from like because I when I think back my grief journey, I was I was um, so after after I like cut ties with my friends and and kind of went like friendless. And then after that, then gaining my other friendships and discussing with them and talking in depth about mum and my grief, I was always quite like open with my grief, but very, very yeah, personal to the people that I now I now trusted with it. And what made me sort of go so public was it was it was the summer of 2019 last year. I um, there was quite a few like me, and my brother, we were back butting heads again. And I'd left the family home for good. And it was a really, really hard change. Like it was the family home I've lived in my whole life. I've, I've never known anywhere else. Um, so it was a really big change. And my mental health was just declining. I, I, had, I, I of course, knew about mental health um, and mental health illnesses. But I never thought that I would be touched by it. After I left the home, things were really bad. And I could feel myself, again, not enjoying the things that I used to, but like really not enjoying it, enjoying it to the point of where I thought if I could just drop the face of the earth, this would all be grand and I'll be and I'll be fine. And it was when those thoughts started to come in that I thought, Amber, this is not you like you don't. That's not normal for you. You need to seek help. And so I did. I am. I seeked for counselling and therapy and that in itself for me. And I look back now and I think, why did I have so much like shame attached to reaching out for counselling or therapy? There's nothing to be ashamed of with it. But in that moment, I felt really ashamed and embarrassed that I was go I was seeking for therapy. And um, I took the leap of faith and I started searching for a therapist and I looked at um, via the NHS our healthcare and the wait list was just extremely long and I thought I, I can't wait that long purely because I, I don't know what I'm gonna do in that amount of time and then I looked at going private and it was just not in my budget and then I thought let me explore online you know we're in a digital age now so why not although that was like my last resort because I'm, I'm definitely a face-to-face -face person but I thought if this is all I'm gonna get our beggars can't be choosers <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, I seeked online and I went through one of like the massive, you know, online therapist sources and um, was matched with a therapist. And it went along the lines of, hi, Amber, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you are expecting from therapy and what you hope me as your therapist can do. I said, you know, in brackets, you know, my mum died. I feel like shit help me basically <laughs> <laughs> and then all in like in a longer text and then it was almost like a robot like an auto robot replied and it was like okay amber if you would like to continue these sessions that will either be 200 pounds up front for x amount of months or 50 pounds a month and i was literally like oh my god i've just opened up to a complete stranger about like the demons that are in my head and then i'm just met with a like send me a check i thought that's cheeky that's cheeky (laughs) and i thought don't get me wrong like i know she's got to pay her bills and she's got to read but i was like at least pretend like you care and and then literally and then and then i after that, it just put a really bad taste in my mouth with therapy. And I can't lie, for a long while, I was like, I fucking hate therapy. I think it's a bunch of shit. But obviously, that's changed now. <laughs> I, I've come to realise that I did. I was just matched with a really bad therapist, unfortunately. Mm. And that just tainted my views. And that's really, really, if I wasn't the person that I was, that could look back in hindsight and be like, yeah, I see that. That can actually be really quite damaging for someone. And um, since then, I have spoken to therapists about that experience. And they're like, that is absolute like rubbish that should never have happened to you and like really sorry that that did you know not all therapists are like that so then after that debacle I was like oh that's a bit annoying therapy didn't work oh well but it kind of felt although I didn't get what I needed from therapy didn't even begin I felt that even just saying that I wasn't okay out loud had actually done me a bit of a justice. Like I'd spoken to my friends and my partner, and my family. I was, I let them know that I wasn't doing okay. And even that in itself kind of relieved the weight off my shoulders a little bit. Although there was nothing that was, you know, being done and I wasn't in therapy or counseling, just telling them was enough a little bit. So that was about, that was about August. And then myself, and my partner, we went away in September and I love a podcast anyway and um, while we were on the way out there I thought oh, let me just um, search like grief into the search bar and see what comes up and so I did while we're waiting to board the airplane and um, a bunch came up came up so I thought okay let me download a few and I'll listen to them while you know sitting by the pool and so I got on we went to Morocco got there thought, let me give these a go And so I did, and they were all fantastic in their own rights. Every single thing they were saying was bang on. There was was nothing wrong about them. I was just like, I don't really feel like seen and represented in. I'm not hearing a young person, a young woman's voice talking about what it's like to be a young, bereaved woman in this world without a mum. And my first, I was like, oh, that's a shame that there's nothing like that out there. Like, oh. And then it, got, it kind of started bugging me that there wasn't something. And I'm, anyone who knows me personally, like I'm not, I'm not a creative mind. Like before Grief Gang, if I was to see something was like broken or like look at something, I'd be like, oh yeah, someone else will fix it. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like I don't have, I didn't, I didn't think I had that creative like bug in me. I didn't think I was like initiative. But this really was like bugging me that there there was this gap in like, quote unquote, the market for young bereaved people. 
and then so I started stewing on it and I said to my partner I was like I think I'm gonna start a podcast and he's like looks at me he's like what <laughs> because because I've said nothing up to this point and then just in my own head I've just been like plotting and scheming and then I come out and say I'm starting a podcast and he's like what and I was like oh like about grief and then I just offloaded and said everything that I've been thinking about like for the last few days it was nothing like really thought out it was just like oh that would be maybe a good idea so you were like you're like 12 train cars down the train when you open the door for him, you're like, hey, you want to get on this ride with me? <laughs> yeah, literally. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, what on earth? And then I started just like, yeah, brain dumping. He was like, Jesus Christ, Amber. Like, you, you could have told me this before. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's literally only comes to my head for like 24 hours. So, and then once I'd said it out loud to him, I was like, okay, I've said it out loud. And then I sort of started, I got, I got really excited. I got really excited about it. And I just started like messaging a couple of friends um who were like in sort of like the space or like social media space or whatever and just seeing what they thought and they were like oh that's amazing like go for it like what have you got to lose go for it and I was like oh god okay now I'm telling people this is a bit of a reality and came back home and I was like hit the ground running I was like cool let's start this let's start a page so cool if it's not met with you know people being like yeah yeah like that's fine too because at the end of the day this was for me and my group this is going to be a place where I can just like brain dump my grief onto a page and a podcast and so I did so I created the page and I um introduced it to like my close friends and family on my Facebook and my own personal Instagram and it was met with such just a lovely response and support and it gave me a real boost of okay let's go for this and so friends of friends started telling each other and so forth. And the page started growing. And then I introduced the idea of the podcast and said, would this be something that you are all interested in? And again, it was met with like inundated support. And yes, we'd love it. When can it happen? And I was like, when can it happen? I was like, I've got no equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I did not expect people to be yes yes we want it so quickly so I was like god get on Amazon now and buy microphones and headphones and all the gear and so we did and the first episode was just me talking about my own journey and then seeing like the the amount of people that were listening to it and hearing about me and my own personal grief and and even as well hearing my mum's name was like a really weird feeling too of all these people that have listened to me saying my mum's name and they now know that Sue Valentine is my mum was a really strange but a really beautiful feeling and then going forward with it I knew that I didn't want it just to be a podcast about me and my grief I knew that hearing of other people's grief of all different types of losses would be fantastic and would only um enriching sort of me and my knowledge I I was really eager to learn and I still am still eager to learn about so many different losses and how that affects people so I started you know connecting on the grief community which is just wondrous and creating um friendships and and contacts and meeting them and recording episodes with them and them so bravely sharing their stories with me and putting it out to my audience and it's what I've been doing since, yes, yeah, since September 2019. And I've not looked back. 
as you were talking, I was thinking it's this, it's kind of amazing that like you sign on for the online counseling. There's one person who does not respond in a good way at all. And you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to tell the world and have the world listen to me and have a much better response. In that yeah, way. yeah. And, and then also for the podcast to end up being a way to to honor your mom, to memorialize your mom, and for the world to know that your mom existed and that she was your mom. And this is what she meant. And this is what she continues to mean. So it seems like it's just, it's like an ongoing tribute, you know, to your mom through your grief. Absolutely. Yeah, I do feel like it is. And I'm, I'm always, um, I feel like most people who, who will either follow the account or listen to the podcast, like, um, they know my mum's name because I don't shut up about it. <laughs> I, I, every opportunity I get to, any any opportunity that comes my way, I always, and it's not even like I, it's a conscious effort, it just rolls off my tongue. I always sort of go, hi, my name's Amber. I'm the creator and founder of Grief Gang and I lost my mum, Sue Valentine. It just roll. It, it's just like that's part of my identity. And if I wasn't, yeah, it's something that I think I will always do and it is, it's a forever tribute and I think, everybody who does stuff on the on the online community I think all of theirs are tributes you know we we don't want to stop talking about our loved ones just because they're not here in a physical realm it doesn't mean that our relationship with them has ever stopped it is always evolving it's always changing um because just because they're not here physically why why shouldn't I stop talking about it a young girl actually um on a call the other day said um she was like talking about her, her friend who has a mum here still. She was talking about her, her mum and then this young lady whose mum has passed, she started talking about her mum and the friend retreated and thought, oh, no, we don't want to talk about that because that makes you sad. She was like, no, no, no. If you can talk about your mum, then I can talk about my mum. And I was like, right on, right on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's interesting, Amber, too, because in in our groups at the Dougie Center, particularly the groups for folks who are in that young adult range, like 19 to 30, there's a lot of conversation of like, when I meet somebody new, when do I tell them? You know, like, when do I tell them I've had someone in my life die? And you figured out a way to just like circumvent that. <laughs> you yeah. just tell people right away. You're like, if you Google me, yeah. you're going to find out. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Not that everyone's going to start a grief podcast. True, but yeah. It's one option. Um so thinking again to you about being in your early 20s when your mom died, like if you had this amazing superpower where you could like make the whole world know something, what would you mm. most want people to know about what it's like to have um, a mom or a parent die in your early 20s? Oh, it's, it's such a good question, this, because there's there's so many things that I'd love to like debunk and and people sort of like break their misconceptions but thinking about this, I think if I had a superpower and I could wake up and spread magic dust across the world and <laughs> get people to wake up and, you know, wipe the shit out of their eyes, I would probably I would probably tell them that just because I am grieving or we are grieving, that I can still be happy too and that you shouldn't judge grieving people for being happy too no matter how early or how late on they are in their journey like I'll never forget like about a good as a week after my mum's funeral I was out at a friend's birthday and I like well, I was laughing I was really laughing and I remember retreating that laugh thinking 
how are you laughing you just buried your mum like a week ago what is wrong with you and that guilt that came over me but happiness and joy can coexist and they can coexist actually really beautifully um I feel like us bereaved are actually some of the most happiest people because we have known true sadness we've known true heartbreak and the cruelty that the world has to offer that when something joyous or happy comes into our life or happens in our lives we can really appreciate it for in all its glory um like I'll get really happy about the most like minuscule things like if I get like an extra chicken nugget in my McDonald's like I'm really <laughs> happy <laughs> And like just really small things like that. So I would say, yeah, my superpower would be is that I would tell the world that grief and happiness can coexist. I so, so appreciate that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how for me, and maybe this is just a product of working with folks in grief for almost 20 years, mm -hmm. is anytime there's a laughter, like I just cherish it no matter oh, what's yeah. happening. Someone could be telling me the most heartbreaking story. There's a moment of laughter. I'm like, I'm never going to feel guilty about that because what, yeah. what a gift to still be able to do that. Isn't it? Like, you know, the moments yeah, if you are with, you know, whoever, friends, family, people you care about, you know, and just, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean when there's just like laughter and happiness and, you know, you kind of sit back and you take it in and you really, it's almost like you're having your like, sort of outside of the room of it and you're just you're overlooking this really joyous moment you're like oh, I'm just so happy that I am here to see this and be a part of this and I think some people might think we're like just like really deep and think like oh god but <laughs> I'm like oh I feel everything so much more deeper now but I love that about me now I love that I can I can be moved so deeply by such joyous moments in my life like the chicken nugget exactly <laughs> Well, Amber, as we come towards the end of our time together, what are a few things that are helping you right now as we head into winter holiday season, the pandemic's happening, grieving your mom? What's helping? Oh, right now it's helping straight up the grief community, the online grief community saves me all the time. If I'm having a really bad day, and that's aside from grief gang, so like that's aside from, you know, putting out content or anything like that if I'm having a bad day a bad griefy day I will just like log on to onto grief gang but I will be as like a like an attendee and I will I will seek and I will find people in their writing in their artwork and anything that is going to make me feel good and make me feel less like a not like an alien or just feel resonated and relatable so the grief the online grief community I'm a huge advocate for it and I know like social media it can be you know the devil sometimes but when it works and I feel like the grief community is it's such a wholesome and supportive space that you very rarely find ugliness in it you very rarely I think I don't think I even have found ugliness in the in the grief space so um, I, what's helping me is the online community and all the fantastic people that are working in it. Which is so great during the pandemic, right? Because you can still yes. do it. Exactly. So nice. Exactly. So for listeners who want to connect with you or connect with some of the communities that you're a part of, what's the best way for them to find you? 
Yes. So um, I'm most active on the Instagram account, which is at the grief gang. Um, I also have a Facebook page um, with the same name, the grief gang and a Twitter account, which is at gang underscore grief. Couldn't get the grief gang. So I really <laughs> took it, I think. Ugh. Um, whereas you can listen to me on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Um, and yeah, come come on the Instagram page, drop me a message. I love to I love to speak with followers and listeners and just and communicate and get to know each other. So that is where you can find me. Great. Well, listeners, I'll link to all of that in the show notes. But if you can't remember anything else, just go find the grief gang on social media. So Amber, thank you for taking time at the end of your day, at the beginning of my day to, to talk and, and share with me about your mom and about your process. It's just, it's been an honor to talk with you today. Oh, and I thank you so much. The honor is all mine and grief out loud itself is fantastic and all the work that you do. Well, thank you. And listeners, I say it every time and I'll keep saying it every time. Thank you for making the show mean something. Otherwise it would just be me and Amber talking to each other, which would be great. <laughs> But yeah. we, we like knowing someone out there is listening. So exactly. thank you for <laughs> being part of it. <laughs> and if, um, if there's someone you think could be helped by our show, please pass along the episode. If you want to reach out to me directly, my email is griefoutloud at Dougie, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can find the whole list of them at D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G or wherever you are listening to the show right now. So thanks again for listening and we hope you'll join us again next time.